Hi, this is Jeff McPherson, Dr. Tiki, and the creator, well, co-creator, but all the ideas were mine, of Code Runner, the new awesome spy game. You're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. And that was my free ad for Code Runner. Thank you. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that we will give you witchcraft. Overrun the entire world? Mr. Bond, I... We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. That was probably the most interesting introduction ever. It's Talkcast 145, and it's hotter than a hooker in Heaterville here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> Deep nice. In 51. Excuse me? Nice, Stone. Thank you. Put Deep a dollar in, in the creepy jar. On the sub-level 451 book-burning pavilion, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, Violent Soundboard Vixen, and Queen of Fire, a true petroleum byproduct. It's Kriana. Put a dollar in the creepy jar. Okay, done. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the man who opened up his own personal water park slash comedy club slash medical emergency center in his own basement, he's calling it Catch a Rising Scar, it's Illustrator X. As Ray Bradbury said, it was a pleasure to burn. And his lovely ingenue, his sweet undead spouse, a woman with more heat in one hand than Beelzebub's... Oh, no, you know what? If I actually say this, I have to put another dollar in the creepy jar. So I'm not. (laughs) Good job, Dome. Oh, great. And I was going to say, don't burn my books, but never mind. (laughs) Now it's not this funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I just didn't want to get all that horribly... Because you want to call about devil testicles. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Joining us tonight for TalkCast 145 is artist for DC, artist for Marvel for over 20 years, now doing two strips of his own, Banana Tales and Combat Jacks, Mark McKenna. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you say that now. Give yourself half an hour. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been... Uh, uh, we're missing the Zombarian tonight, who is evidently uh, doing something involving cats and dust. I'm not sure what. Uh, but in any case, uh, we miss you. Hope you're back soon. And uh, where are we going to start this week? We want to start with what is possibly one of our favorite shows, Doctor Who. Yes, indeed. The new trailer is out for the new season. There's no date set for the new show to start. But no, the I, there's out. my understanding that this, the season is going to start with the Christmas episode like it always does. But it's, it said BBC America was going to have it on August 25th. Who said that? The, the link. BBC America. Yeah, but you know what? They've got their mind on the Olympics. They lie. <laughs> They're lying liar faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I just don't trust that. But let's say uh, I noticed that uh, the BBC's uh, promise that they're done with Daleks for the you know for at least a decade. No, yeah, that did not last very long. That's did that? That, that, that preview has like ten thousand Daleks, including Daleks from all eras of the TV series. There's one from the Peter Cushing movies from Hammer. There's the one from uh, Remembrance, the the Special Forces Dalek that uh, was with uh, Sylvester McCoy. Candy Palace Daleks. There was also Amy and Rory in there. I thought we were getting rid of them too. Yes, it's finally going to end. There is light at the end of this You're tunnel. You're such a jerk. Amy's awesome. Donna sucked. Uh-huh. Oh, Donna definitely sucked, but there's no question about it. No, she her. didn't. Donna was something. awful. Donna was not funny. She was just annoying and a jerk. Amy- From older women everywhere, she wasn't. Amy-, Amy and Rory as companions. Uh, I have to go back to... I-, I finally saw the new Batman movie this weekend. Uh-oh. And it's just like the whole Amy and Rory thing. It's like being in stuck in traffic. You know you're going to get home eventually. So you're old, the- is what you're <laughs> saying. You're, you're saying you're old and you can't take change. I'm no. saying I welcome change. Please get rid of Amy and Rory. Absolutely. Or, or you know what? Bring back Rose Tyler. I'm good with that. No, her mouth was weird. Bring back Martha. Bring back. was amazing. Her mouth was weird. It didn't go with the rest of her face, which wasn't that attractive, actually. So I have a proposal that should please everyone. Let's bring back Martha. Yay! Fine. Well, I think we can all agree we are all looking forward to the new season. Yes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of which, speaking of yes. which, with Batman, um, Anne Hathaway rocked Catwoman. Okay, I just had to say that. I actually put her up with Julie Newmar. Really? Yes. That is a bold oh. statement. It is, and I stand next to it. Or behind it. Or I will stand next to Anne Hathaway. We're fine with that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I have to say about this Batman movie, and I, and I say it with pride? This is a movie I'm never going to see. And I okay. really you know give what? Crap. That's, That's why okay. you're so chipper. It is. I am chipper about it. I'm, I'm like Anne Hathaway, Catwoman, I'll pass. I think it's like the movie Marathon, man. It's like a three-hour process to drain the joy from your life. (laughs) All I can think of when I see her face is, first of all, she looks like a horse. Second of all, I think of the princess. She's not pretty. She's She's not pretty. pretty. She's a really good actress. I I mean, maybe she's a good actress. That could be debated, but she's not pretty. Just, Just no. Your opinion, dear. Your opinion. Well, you know, if that's what floats your boat. I do, I think. <laughs> portion of America, quite frankly. I'll, I'll take more. And, and I've got to tell you, there was a whole lot of questioning whether Anne Hathaway was even in the right league to play it. So that, that you're putting her up there with Julie Newmar says quite a bit. Well, yeah. I think part of it was the writing, too. They didn't purposely try to make Catwoman the sex bomb that they did, I guess, with Michelle Pfeiffer or God Oh, that forbid, was just a waste. That or was... God forbid, Halle Berry. But, um... Okay, that was bad. She, yeah. she was smart and she was... I mean, she was sexy, but she was sexy in a very intellectual way. And I, I don't know. It, it was great. It was the way the comics written. Not the way it's... that Hollywood wants her to be written. Right. Which makes... Oh, so kind right. of like a lesbian. I I agree no. with you, uh, Dead Redhead. That that was like the shining point of the film. She that character was excellent, and then there was a guy who talked through a funny tube. 
Mm. And I wondered oh. how he could possibly brush his teeth. Bing couldn't decide what, what accent he wanted to do. I swear to God. Well, First it was Sean Connery, and then he sounded like <laughs> Seth MacFarlane doing oh, Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. See? More more reasons never to see that movie. Seth MacFarlane oh, Bane. Good. That just yeah. sounds <laughs> awful. Mark, Mark, what did you think? Mark, you saw the movie, right? Uh, Batman, yeah, or whatever they call it. The... the the Dark Knight Strategy. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, my son works at a movie theater here, so uh, we got to go on a family <laughs> preview night. So I actually did close my eyes a couple times, though, in the two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's I blame it on old age or the fact that there was a couple of lulls in the movie. I have to go see it again, though, because I'm just not sure. You know, I an illustrator actually didn't go for it. I just I'm, I have to go see it again and determine. All right. That's I, also, I, you know, also, I, I'm actually with Brianna on this one. I, I'm pretty sure it's just one of those movies I'm not going to see. Yeah, they. Uh, they, they tr I'm sorry. They tried to. They tried to connect the first and the third movies by some cockamamie ideas that just threw me off. You know, like the connections between the characters that weren't even mentioned in the second movie. But you know, Nolan wanted to go out and make these a nice little trilogy, so he kind of created you know, absurd things in the third movie that kind of connected to the first movie. Kind of like he wanted to be the Avengers. The Avengers was awesome. I know, yeah, I'm saying that's, that's awesome. why he was trying to, like, br uh, you know. bring in all the threads like the Avengers right. did. Right, like Cat and Thor. My brother uh, just, just saw the Batman movie, and I said, I... I I'm begging you, please go see the Avengers. See a, mo a superhero movie that is filled with joy. <laughs> that makes you happy when you walk out of the theater. Yeah, you got that right. It actually did. Yeah. Yep. You know, spe speaking of the Avengers, uh, another Joss Whedon favorite, Dr. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was a pretty good segue, Dome. Thank you. I can do that. Can oh, I have the segue, please? Good job. One more time? Oh, sure. I'll give it to you. Hey. <laughs> wow, I'm so proud of you. Look how far you've come. Look at that. You know, I feel like a, almost like a broadcaster, and then I don't have to put another dollar in the creepy jar for a while. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yet. Yet. Yeah, anyway. Give me wait five a minute. minutes, because yeah. I'm going to talk about Dr. Horrible right now. <laughs> okay, just, just lay off Felicia Day, and you'll be all right. Hmm. I could never lay it on Felicia oh, Day. Oh, creepy jar. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Albert just did a uh, just did an interview, and we're going to post a link to it, uh, talking about the sequel. And everybody, including Nathan Fillion, is really, really excited to do it, which is cool because the original, which everybody's seen already a million times, is actually going to make its TV debut for people who can't understand how the internet works <laughs> on the CW <laughs> on October 9th. On the okay. CW, no less. Not not even a real network. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Buffy lived on the CW for a long time, back right when it was the WB. So you know, give the CW some slack. Right after yeah. the, what, the what else did the CW we air for twelve seasons? The, Smallville, the Vampire Diaries. Just shoot me. Wait a minute. All right, all. everyone's really excited. People don't usually get on promotional tours and say, "No, I'm not really excited to do this." No, but I mean, Simon Helberg is, is sitting on one of the top-rated shows uh, on on a major network right now. Why would he give a rat's patootie if he wasn't actually excited? Did I just say rat's patootie? Sure. Oh um, creepy jar. That's wow. my soul. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Doctor, so when is this Doctor Horrible sequel supposed to come out? It's it's actually not done yet, um, but uh, they're working on it for next year. Billion also made a really interesting comment about being in the Avengers sequel because he's one of the stable of Joss Whedon actors. Right. His comment was, I'm not famous enough to do it. Yes, he is. Ouch. He's famous enough to me. I mean, Well, all I know is, you know, <laughs> Sam Raimi was still had enough clout to bring Bruce Campbell into the Spider-Man movies. That's right. Yeah. Not major roles, but... Right. Bruce Campbell and Ted Raimi were in those movies. Wasn't Nathan yeah, Fillion going to be like Ant-Man or something? No, yeah. Edgar Wright is. Oh. Lame. So, who is that? Edgar, oh, um, Shaun of the Dead? Shaun there? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be Ant-Man. He's got. Simon. He's going to write and... Simon Pegg. I'm Simon, sorry, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Say, who are you okay. talking about? Well, Edgar Wright's, Edgar Wright's the, the big guy who towers over oh, him. Oh, that's right. It's funny. Aside <laughs> Yes. Oh, the big burly guy, yeah. yeah. Yes. But yeah, Simon Pegg's all over that project. He's gonna write and direct Ant Man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd heard that a while ago, actually. Yeah, we all kind of, you know, we're all kind of wondering if that's ever gonna happen. Yeah. I just think well, it's a very amusing superhero. Movie, Days of Future Past. Now, how are they gonna do that? It's Kitty. It's the whole Kitty Pride story coming back from the future. Yeah, to, it's uh, one of the all-time great X-Men stories, which yes. has been revisited to death in the comics, but that two-issue story is fantastic. And the thought is that Ryan Singer and Matt Vaughn are now going to take just that two-issue piece, not everything else that was ever done, and turn that into the next X-Men movie Days of Future Past. I am very curious about this because... No well, no, here's the thing. Uh, Days of Future Past is... There's a... F I mean, this is not really a spoiler. There is a future timeline where the Sentinels have taken over North America. That's not All a spoiler? No, no, because the story itself is 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. story's been out for Come on, guys. I haven't read that one. Cry <laughs> into your pillow. Uh, I'm not likely yeah, to but, either. But the, whole thing, the Sentinels have done this. They've killed or imprisoned almost all of the mutants and superheroes. And when X3 came out a few years ago, there was like the opening scene was them in the danger room fighting Sentinels, and you never saw the Sentinels. And uh, the director said, "Yeah, if we were to ever have them on screen, we couldn't afford to make the movie." Right. So I'm like, well, what happened? What did happen? My, my theory is that they found out that Ray Harryhausen is still available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well. if he can do, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, he most certainly can do robots. Certainly do the same. Giant robots. Giant, giant purple robots. Giant purple robots. Yeah. Huh. The same kind of thing uh, with Galactus in that uh, second FF movie. Uh, oh, how there was just a giant uh, cloud? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I feel... Uh... There are too many things wrong with the FF movies. Yeah, yeah, but the only thing right about that was Silver Surfer. And, and well, our, my friend and a, yours. Doug Jones! Right. <laughs> Who's the best part of that movie? Guest but... coming up this month? <laughs> <laughs> we love Doug Jones. He's oh. a big, tall, skinny dude, huh? 
It's yes. Totally yes. <laughs> and he's our very own pretty, pretty princess. If you even walk through him, he will reach out and hug you. <laughs> His <laughs> hugs are epic. They are hey, literally Brianna? epic. Yes. Can we talk about Don't Be a Dick Day? Uh, I think that's Will Wheaton's birthday, isn't that, it? You know, if you're going to be like that, yeah, I guess we can. Don't okay. Do- because- oh, come on, guys. Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> All right, so... Will, I just Will think Wheaton, it's really anyone ever heard of him? He's this guy who did this thing once with a bouffant. <laughs> and before Ooh. that, he was on Next Generation as the, one of the most hated characters in Next Generation. Uh, that was with the bouffant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's on Big Bang on the <laughs> I know, and it's really funny. And he was on Eureka a lot, too. Yeah, he was. You actually. may have heard of him. Anyway... He he decided to start a thing at, at one of the PAX conferences called Don't Be a Dick Day. And it's a day where people aren't dicks on the internet. For one day. For, for on Will Wheaton's out? birthday, don't be a dick on the internet. This is Wheaton's law. Don't be a dick. That's all relevant, that isn't it? Which day is it, Kriana? That's a good question. It's probably the day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. There's no day on this post. Shoot. Hmm. Well, it's probably the day everybody's nice. It's sometime in July. 29th, July 29th. We're in August. That's right. Well, that's true, but July 29th was between the last podcast and this. Oh, okay. So we can, we can only hope that there's at least one day when people on the internet could refrain from being a dick. Because uh, it'd be a nice thing to do. Give it your best um, shot. Yeah. Dogs and cats living together. The end of days, as it were. <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking of old news, I know it's old news, but I was just so happy to find this today online. I didn't realize June Foray won an Emmy a few months ago. Woo! I was so happy that that woman who has put in so much in animation history. She's Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Mm-hmm. She's huh? Witch Hazel. She's Jokey Smurf. She's Natasha. Yes. Natasha and Natasha. She finally got an Emmy. And what did she get an Emmy for? Some voice in Garfield. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Ouch. Holy crap. That's, That's not uh, right. It's almost like, oh, by the way, we forgot to give you this four decades ago. But they did it, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Kudos to you, June Foray. I big fan here, and congratulations. June yeah. Foray has been doing animation voicing since 1943. Wow. She yes. is now 94, and she's still working. That's awesome. And so will we. And you know who else we're a fan of on this show? Uh-oh. Who has something going on? Uh-oh. Christopher Eccleston. Oh! Going back to Marvel is going to be in the next Thor movie, which I don't know. Yes, Joss, Thor! If Joss Whedon isn't writing it, I don't know if I'm going to see it. But, um, yeah, he's playing... Well, he has a very bizarre name. I was trying to say it. Oh, I think he's... Um, absolute Shmirnov, something like that. <laughs> No, he's playing a character from the Walt Simonson run, and I am actually one of the few comic book people who actually did not like the Simonson run, so I am i don't know who he's playing. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's... It, he's against Thor, I'm taking it, since he's all in black. Please, yeah. no. He's going to be hanging out with Loki. 
Well, Eccleston makes a very good villain. Yeah, I he mean, does. I mean, he I does. still love him in the movie Elizabeth. He, where he was, um, you know, Renaissance Fair dressed-up guy assassin. I'm glad he just got over all the all the crap storm that he was in after he came out and said that the Doctor Who people were nasty to him and he's working again. So there we go. What else would I know him from? Well, he was the ninth. He was the he was the Doctor Who that started the reboot um, in 2005. The ninth Doctor. Yeah. He was also in 28 Days Later. Yep. He played John Lennon in some really bad movie that had John and, Lennon in it. And he's done a lot of work with Alex Cox of yes, Repo Man yes. fame. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know who I want to see on Doctor Who really bad? And I bring this guy up all the time, it's really funny. Hugo Weaving. Me? Wouldn't Hugo Weaving be awesome <laughs> on Doctor Who? He would be a good American doctor, one of the few. See, I One of the only. Uh, I don't know. The only American I've ever said could ever play Doctor Who would be Gene Wilder. He just seems to be Doctor Who to me. <laughs> okay, Christopher Eccleston was also in The Others. He was in Elizabeth. He yes. was Elizabeth. in yep. He yep. was yep. in He was in Heroes for a while. I forgot yes. he was in The Others. He's a very but he good. was in, He was invisible in in uh, Heroes. Was Don't he? tell his oh. agent that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. He's a brooding dude, I think. <laughs> he was in uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, is that enough? That's a horrible phone. I you. know. It was just... Lots of these look kind of bad. Christopher Eccleston, have better judgment. <laughs> Speaking of potentially horrible. Oh. Three, three, three movies to do The Hobbit? This is not going to be horrible. This is going to be amazing. Please tell us why this okay, is going to be Okay, this is going to be amazing. Why first it, of all, first of all because they, they can really not do much to screw up The Hobbit. It's a kid's book. Oh, you oh, just, oh. How about the ending? How about the ending of... Uh, pitch, you are not allowed to say they can't screw up The oh, Hobbit. Oh, well, they can, but like, like look, like it's not like Lord of the Rings where it like, actually had a point. The Hobbit doesn't really have a point other than to be cute and entertaining. So, so I think they're actually going to do a really good job with this. Every single production diary, every single trailer that's come out so far has been really nice looking. So first of all, kudos to you all on that. Second of all, there's a wealth of material concerning the events around The Hobbit in the appendices to Lord of the Rings. And well, they consequently, as we talked about, what, last week or the week before? They filmed a lot of that stuff in the process of making The Hobbit, and they said, well, we've spent all this money and have all this extra footage, we might as well just put it in another movie. Yes, we want to see it. I will give you money to see it, and I am not the only one. It's a very no, you're smart not the decision. only one. I just hope so, to Christ it's good. It's going to be so, good. I'm assuming, I mean, and this is just my theory, I'm assuming the first movie will be... Up to the barrels. No, up, up to the whole, no, up either up to the barrels in, barrel, uh, in the town or up right up to Smaug. The second movie will be the Battle of Five Armies, and then the third movie will be This the Is Marillion? Studio Filler. You know, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I don't even want to guess how they're going to divide it up because... They did the the Lord of the Rings trilogy so weirdly. Um, it was very weird. It was weird. Um, it felt kind of wrong, but like I mean, I think it's gonna be all right. I, I think it's gonna be better just just because The Hobbit is a little more relaxed in general than Lord of the Rings was. It just is. 
Okay. No, no, I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. I, I'm just thinking that I, I don't know about this filler uh, appendices material. It's to me, an appendix is something material. you remove. Tolkien wrote, like, vol- okay, you want to know what the filler material for Lord of the Rings is? It's 12 books, mister. There are 12 <laughs> more books. Okay, they didn't put well, any of that stuff in there. Like, but it's it's all mostly good stories. So, like, I I really I commend them for thinking to put that in. They're gonna make a shit ton of money off of it, I, and so I, they should. I just can't. I I've tried. I can't read the Silmarillion. I've gotten further through you, James Joyce's Ulysses than I have. Who's through talking the about Silmarillion? the Silmarillion? Oh, Who's talking about the Silmarillion? I'm talking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit. That's it. Period. The Silmarillion is its own beast. Uh, Silmarillion has its own book, and then it has a few prequels, and then it has a few sequels. Tolkien wrote a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that. And he was a really good. crappy poet, <laughs> that, you know, but I can that, forgive that, him for that because his stories were really good. And was I think Tolkien, the George Martin, R.R. R. Martin of his time, is that what we're saying here? <laughs> oh, no, oh. not at all. Well, now. Now, Mr. Tolkien won't be on the show. Ouch, so. yeah, we can... So Tolkien is coming, coming after Tolkien us now. Here we go. Oh, that's nice. Nice, don't. Sucks to be me. Nice. J.J. Abrams. All I know is back in 77, Rankin-Bass covered The Hobbit. Oh, my God, One no. hour animated special. And the only thing they cut out was the guy who was turned into a bear. <laughs> you need the you bear guy. That part? I do remember that part. It was a good part. Guy who turned into a bear. You don't remember that part? <laughs> Dome, have you ever even read The Hobbit? Can I honestly say no? Oh my god, what? The only the only Tolkien-esque book I have ever read... Wait, you haven't the read The Lord of the Rings either? Wait a minute, wait a minute. The only Tolkien-esque book I have ever read is the Harvard Lampoon's Board of the Rings. And I've got to tell you... It's not very good. It was, it was the most fun I've ever had with a book about Tolkien. How, how can you have read, like, Philip K. Dick's Exegesis and not read The Hobbit? Actually, very easy to read, quite frankly. It's such a very good book, easy. though. It's and so good. It's just not my cup of hemlock, and that's all there is to it. God. Well, <laughs> by the way, did anybody else like uh, Warehouse 13 the last episode? Oh, awesome. my God, yes. Did you like it? <laughs> yes. What's and, not to like and about Warehouse nice 13? It's nice to see Brent Spider get some work again, too. Yes, it was. He's such a lovable chap. <laughs> Evidently, no, but he's <laughs> really cool. Well, that's what I'm thinking, but he is a good actor. I'll give him that. I got to tell you, you know, Alphas and Warehouse 13 every week, you know, are just meeting expectations. I, I don't Meeting get... expectations? What? Alphas yeah. is awesome. You don't like the way Alphas is going? Oh, absolutely I do. That's what absolutely. he means, I think. Wait, wait, wait. Gary keeps calling the federal agents jerk asses. That's I know. awesome. <laughs> What's <laughs> better than that? He's a jerk ass. I hate him. <laughs> what? The thing is that Sci-Fi Channel is really schizophrenic sometimes. They have some really great original shows on, and then we have Sharktopus. And don't forget Mansquito. But you know what movie they made that was awesome? Jabberwock. (laughs) 
Oh boy. Mike, we love you. Mike, we love you. I watched you know, it. We watched it. We actually did. I did. But I mean, this, this, the channel is so schizophrenic. They do such a great job with some of these series uh, and have worked so hard to make them quality. And while when they work at it, what comes out is stuff like Alphas and, and stuff like Warehouse 13. Yep. Just just incredibly good television at a time of the year when there's a dearth of anything on except watching people in pools uh, swallow chlorine over and <laughs> for again. Well. What? And that brings us to the poll. Oh, my. We're not supposed to be able to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. For oh, just a word. second. Can I just say, and, yeah. and while we're on the topic of Siffy shows, I'm okay. really glad they canceled Eureka. Oh, I I really people really, like that show. I know I don't I know why. Watched it, I don't know why it's so. It's like okay, Alphas and Warehouse Thirteen are kind of formulaic sometimes. Okay, sometimes they're a lot but they're formulaic, cool. but they're cool. Eureka was formulaic and not that cool after the first two seasons. Once you got over the talking house, you know, having them invent a new doodad at the very last minute to save the town gets really old, and it just didn't progress beyond that point at all. They tried to. It just didn't work. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it had it has its problems, but I, I kind of liked it. I, I thought, you know, and bringing in Will Wheaton to kind of save it didn't actually do much. For no, me. and it's nothing against Will Wheaton either. He tried really hard, and if anything was going to save it, I think that had a shot. But it just just didn't. Pay oh yeah, out. there was there was a whole nerd caliber ability of bringing him in that that should have worked. And it just and, it just still was uninteresting you know the best part of that show I, i'm gonna be honest here the best part of that show for me was the warehouse 13 crossover and that's about it oh there you go claudia and fargo were just so cute together yeah they were <laughs> that that was a match made in heaven wasn't it toads adorbs <laughs> which brings us to the whole of the poll. week pull time and this week we had a really weird little poll didn't we my dear we did we asked folks which lost group of adventurers has the least chance of getting home so we wanted to do something a little different this time and we had some I, really interesting answers I can't believe no one voted for Jimmy from Puff and Stuff thank god what the hell well you didn't put that one up well no but no one else did either no no one else did either so, actually for that <laughs> so, coming in third, now this is pretty, an, an old school one, but our group is pretty old school, so it's it's to be expected. Coming in a third are the Robinsons and Dr. Smith from Lost uh, in Space. Well, now, my question is, was that the movie version or the television version? Or I'm, I'm going really to consider crap. it to be the TV version. Okay. Uh, if you have to ask, you do not belong on this show. <laughs> You're telling me I don't belong in this show. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you got to ask. <laughs> okay, uh, Dead Redhead? Yes. Just just hit him. Ah, yes. Moving forward. <laughs> number two. However, I am very happy about number two. Very, number two, and I'd like to give a shout out to Joe Haley from the Underburbs, who's also a fan of the show, and we're a fan, big fan of the Underburbs, and he came up with Sam Lowry from Brazil. And if oh, you've yes. ever seen Brazil, 
Absolutely. You know exactly what he's talking about. And I was so happy to see that answer. One of the all-time great movie endings, which I will not give away, That that's an excellent, excellent... Uh, One of my top five movies of all times. One of the best movie openings yes. ever. What am, again, one of my top five movies of all time is Brazil. Just the original the, Brazil, the two hours, almost three hours of it. <laughs> just when the movie opening line better, of that movie was Catherine Hellman and Robert De Niro show up. Yep. <laughs> For <laughs> no reason. I love that movie. Terry, but yes, so if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go get the movie, go, go Netflix it or something, see Brazil. Uh, so I, 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 see the director's cut. See the director's cut of Brazil from Terry Gilliam and you'll get it. Because it was awesome. Again, thanks, Joe Haley. Um, and coming in at number one, and I'm sure Yay! X is all a Twitter about I, this. I, 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 my toes are tingling. Number one is Marshall, Will, and Holly from The Land of the Lost. Good He's so happy right, about I, this. Disclaimer. Of course, we all know that in the opening of season three that uh, Marshall did get out, but his uh, brother fell in at the exact same point by a major coincidence. <laughs> well, what does that say about that family? And, uh, well, we do know from later episodes... Whoop, yes. ...that, uh, you know, uh, Holly ends up becoming a master of the Tesseracts and everything because there's all sorts of... You know what? Go see the original TV series. Yeah, that's another gonna, one. Don't see I'm the film. I'm not going to cut into any more of the show with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's another one. Don't right. even say anything about the movie or X will have a contusion in front of me. So, You know, so. there were some... <laughs> the interviews. <laughs> there were some really interesting uh, other choices here, too. Um I was really surprised those. that Captain Janeway didn't make it into the top five. Yeah, me too. But is you know we don't have a real Star Trekky like crowd sometimes, which is kind of weird. It surprises me sometimes. But uh, yeah, Janeway for me was uh, the ultimate kind of. But you know, but they did get home in in the end of season seven, so maybe that was kind of the reason. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Twenty-two years ago, they got home. Sorry, don't mean to float your boat with that one. Hey, Kriana. Yes, Dom. Um, did you want to talk about? Uh... Well, there was a link that's up there that's gone now. Did what? Did you forget Z-Con? about something? Somebody mentioned Zcon. No. Dom, are that's... you being senile? No, I, there was a Dome? link up there that isn't there anymore. Film. Yes. Please introduce our guest. No, I, I well, did want to talk about Zcon. I just wanted to mention the fact that um, they have twenty five hundred bucks to go in nine days. I, it's not too much, guys. Go go pledge your monies. It's a good cause. Also, also, it was announced that um, anyone who backs the film in any capacity is going to get their name on a missing poster, or actually their face on a missing poster in the film if they so choose. And um, these these posters will also tour with Mike Doherty and and whoever goes with him around to his convention circuit, and a, a different selection of posters will be put up at their booth at, in every location. I think that's cool. I think that's incredibly cool. You know, he he just thinks of some really awesome ways to get 
to interact with people and to let people be part of the magic. And I, for one, think that's awesome. I'm missing. Are you? I'm totally missing. Uh, I, I am zombified. And speaking of interacting with... That was so, a really shitty segue. I'm text. doing what I can here to keep it going. Wow. No, because what I wanted to talk about was uh, the father who brought home, who came home and, and surprised his son with the Star Wars. Uh, yeah, it's a cute video. <laughs> Don't we have and a guest here? And I was going to use that as a lead-in. Yeah, you failed, Mark though. McCann. Yeah, I know, because the link is gone. It was there, and now it's gone. Okay. Anyhow, Mark McKinney is with us tonight. Mark, <laughs> <laughs> Mark oh is a veteran artist who's worked for Marvel, worked for DC, has two strips of his own right now, Banana Tales and Combat Jacks, both very different and very odd and very cool. But he's going to be appearing at Star Wars Celebration 6 on August 23rd. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me again. Oh. You're very welcome, man. Uh, well, you got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I have to. Uh, I have to keep things lively, otherwise, uh, I'll fall into a coma. <laughs> Talk to us about uh, Star Wars Celebration, uh, which uh, is next month. Yeah, and got involved with that. It's in three weeks, actually, right? Um, yeah. I I uh, have never been with this other than. The original trilogy, and you know, I, I was—I'm not a Blizzard a fan of the uh, one, two, and threes, but uh, I really didn't have a lot of Star Wars background. I didn't read the novels. I wasn't familiar with the Old Republic. What had happened was, um, I had a, a an assistant who who started uh, an assistant uh, inker who um, used to work used to go to the Joe Kubert School in oh. Dover, New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with that school. Totally oh, familiar. Yeah. I'm, actually, I'm actually taking a correspondence with it right now. Oh, there you go. Actually, I just got a call from uh, Mike Chen. Um, they're offering me a possibility of a job there uh, for next semester. Um, wow. it's about It's about 50 miles for me to go. I have to make it make it sense for me to go, you know. But um, this fellow there who uh, was taking classes there, I, I kind of took him under my wing and I let him be my assistant for a while, and then he did quite well for himself, and he started doing work on Aliens books for Dark Horse, and he got offered uh, to do this uh, Purge uh, Darth Vader one-shot for Dark Horse, and he had a pass on it, and he said, you know who would be good for this, Mark McKenna, so it kind of went full circle, and he, you know, and that kind of, you know, launched me into doing more Star Wars product. So after that, then I got involved with doing this uh, Blood of the Empire webcomic that was the second... You know, you would go to StarWars.com and then the web, the web comics, uh, and that also the Blood of the Empire was a bi-weekly, seven-page, you know, twelve-part series that I think helped launch the Bioware video game. Okay. I'm not really sure though, but um, that's what it says on the comics, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get involved with the with playing the video games because um, if I start playing video games, I'll never work again. <laughs> Talked to my wife about my Halo addiction. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was horrible. So, oh, uh, yeah, X, your Commodore 64 is calling you anyway. <laughs> oh, that's the new Atari. stuff. Atari 800XL, but I don't okay. You don't even know what I'm doing, do you? You hit close to home there with the Pong, too, you know? <laughs> 
please. <laughs> so um, what happened was with the Star Wars uh, celebration, and then after the uh, the Old Republic, the uh, Blood of the Empire, uh, was offered a, uh, a a miniseries called The Lost Sons, which was just tr uh, collected in a trade paper back back in uh, April. So the idea behind getting into the Star Wars celebration is you have to have worked on a uh, licensed Star Wars product. They won't even consider you if you haven't. So once I found out, I got to... I'm sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just saying that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So once I... You know, I mean, two years ago, I wouldn't have had any shot because I was Marvel DC guy. But then this happened, and I was going to take full... Ad, you, know, a, a, you know, make it happen for me. I at least tried my best to make it happen for me. So I... Um, I submitted a, they were looking for concept art, and uh, I, I came up with this idea that I had a, a friend sketch out for me, and I uh, sent it in, and it was, I actually sent in, you could send up to five submissions, and I, I did two. Um, one was all these, uh, these evil Sith Lords in the foreground, um, Darth uh, Maul and um, Darth, uh, I can't even, Tyrannus, and all these characters that I couldn't even... You know, I knew them by looking at them, but I don't remember their names. And then behind them in a montage is Darth uh, Vader with a fist over their heads and then Palpatine next to him with, a, with the uh, Death Star behind them. I, I sent that. I thought that was a kind of a neat piece because it encompassed you know, a lot of different um, of the Sith Lords. And then the other one I did, and this is what worked for them, was um, there's not a lot of sexy. I mean, other than Slave Leia, they don't do a lot of sexy uh, girl art in that universe. Um, so I came up with the idea of, so, and I actually, on my Facebook page, I have about 4,000 friends. And I'll tell you, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't aware that when I said, hey, what would be a good Star Wars print, people came <laughs> I it just came out of the woodwork, you know. And uh, I probably had 75 ideas to pick from. And once somebody came up with Darth Talon, I don't know if you know her. Yeah. Well, I, I'm looking right at your Facebook page now, and it looks like it's a cross between Darth Maul and a Twi'lek slave girl. That's exactly yeah. That's it. It's a, a female Darth Maul, you know, with a Twi'lek, uh, with the Twi'lek, whatever they call those horns or things that she has. And I thought, you know, and then somebody mentioned uh, Al Sakura, and I thought, wow, two Twi'leks, one's red, one's blue, one's a Jedi, one's a, you know Sith. And I thought, what a nice piece, you know. Um, even though they don't even live in the same time, <laughs> I wasn't even aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> But, it, but yeah, it's I, visually stunning. Though. That's what I was hoping for, and uh, and again, uh, the, the the my um, connection over at the Star Wars people was this uh, woman named Kristen Haldalgo, and she said um, that there's, other than Slave Leia, there's, they don't do a lot of sexy Star Wars women. She said, you know, they think about Amidala, they never do her sexy. She says it's always very garish and ornate. <laughs> Except for that scene in Episode Two. <laughs> Careful. Careful. Yeah, yeah, that was about. That woke me up for about that two minutes. That means we'd have to go and watch episode two again. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, stick needles in my eyes now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Rough. Why so yeah, so that's what happened. So I uh, I did the piece and um, I got award-winning uh, Laura Martin. Who you know I I I'm a comic book guy, so I used all comic book uh, people to work with. Um, Laura Martin is an award-winning comic book colorist. I think she does Avengers and X Men. And uh, I asked her if she would hand color the piece for me, and I think she forgot that I asked that she digitally colored a piece. It came out better than the hand coloring, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and away we went. And it just uh, now, so the idea f behind that is that uh, the four, there was only forty uh, artists that were picked 
for the show. Um, so I'm, I'm quite honored by that. Uh, the other thing is uh, you're allowed to make a limited edition print of the, uh, of the piece, uh, 250 edition, and you pick the size and the price, and they tell you the price is anywhere between $20 and $100. Um, I, was, I didn't want to go high. I'm a first-timer, and I wanted to make sure that my stuff was you know, in a comfortable area as far as size. I was looking at some guys who were doing 24 by 36 in posters, some guys doing 20 by 24. In comic books, we work 11 by 17. You know, it's the original comic art size. And then we, uh, and we reduce it down to 65% to comic book format. So I went to my printer. I said, I need this 1117. And then she says, all right, I'll cut them down. I said, you cut them down. How big, are the, how big is the paper when it goes through the machine? She goes, at 12 by 18. Ding, ding, ding. It made sense that I should make them bigger because everybody was going a little bit bigger. And I started at $40 for my piece. And then I dropped it to 35 because I was a little anxious. I started t- speaking to other artists that had done these shows before and they said they sold out at $50 each. That's a, that's a piece of change when you're selling 250 prints at 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, the so thing cool. is, the, the uh, Star Wars people, Ac- Acme actually runs the show. They take 15% of everything that's Star Wars related that you sell. 15%. Uh, I can sell non-Star Wars stuff. 50% of my stuff can be non-Star Wars stuff and they take 13% of that. I was so, going to ask about that. I mean, it's a, it's a Star Wars show, but most of the work you've done is non-Star Wars. Right, but I uh, piled up, believe me. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I made a, a six-foot Star Wars banner with the, um, the, two, uh, with the print in the middle and um, the two covers to the trade paperbacks. The blood, they made the blood of the Empire into a trade and the Lost Sons, they made it into a, a trade. And um, I did a cover to a Knight's Errant book. That was right. an alternate cover, a variant cover. So I did that. So I have all that on the on the um, banner, and then I went and I ordered thirty five copies of the trades through Dark Horse. They give you a nice deal, you know. Think the forty or um, I think sixty percent off. So I'm going to have them send the thirty five trades directly to the show for me, and then um, you're not allowed to pre draw for the show, um, which if you know what? about conventions, yeah, you know about conventions, you can't pre draw. They want all the stuff to be done at the show. And wow. I, yeah, which is hard. And uh, yeah, you guys know comic people. I mean, we all like the, we like, to, you know, some guys get requests before the show. Some guys will pull out, um, like Darwin Cook will pull out, you know, 15 pieces he did for the show and he'll sell them right there. Right, um, right. Very tricky. I, and I, I'm slow. I'm a slow sketcher and I'm hit and miss because, you know, lighting is always a little funny. I'd rather talk to people than draw. You know, you're out of the house. It's, it's a different world. So, um, what I'm going to do is I uh, have a dozen pieces that I'm actually going to uh, have like thumbnails on, on an 8.5 by 11 and people will be able to point at them and then I'll... Well, that makes out, sense. You know, and then I'll pull out the art and I'll, uh, I'll finish it up when I'm there, you know. So that's pretty much... And I'm excited because it's, uh, you know, Orlando, certainly a vacation spot. So we'll go... <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we'll and you're going to be there with Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Kevin Smith and all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Yeah, I want to do the, uh, I want to do the uh, Islands of Adventure with uh, Leia and Luke. <laughs> Get on the uh, the Jaws ride. <laughs> Pull out a lightsaber and cut its head off. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm doing three days before. We're gonna. I bought the the park hopper pass for. Uh, I, I want to check out Harry Potter and get drunk on drunk on butter beer. You know. <laughs> so we'll do that. Um, 
for a couple of days before. And then I have a, a friend who's a fan who uh, offered me three tickets to uh, Disney for uh, and trade for artwork. So that's the beauty of being a comic book guy sometimes, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, still do. Yeah, that, my- that actually, uh, that is worth its weight in gold these <laughs> days. Yeah, no, I know. I'm uh, the thing is, I we only got three days before the show. We're getting in on a Sunday. The show starts on a Thursday, and then I'm basically glued there from uh, ten in the morning till six at night, Thursday, yep. Friday, Saturday, and then I think it ends a little early on uh, Sunday. Wow. So this is you know quite a quite a feat because there are like hundreds and hundreds of artists who try and get into the show every year as one of the features. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, the the trick is first you know they weave out everybody who hasn't done star, you know licensed products so uh, so that helps a lot and uh, uh, believe me I'm not going to let it go anytime soon I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get in the show I, I mean if it's as lucrative as I hope it will be it'll be something that I'll I'll try to continue doing you know nice now tell us about some of your other projects you're doing too now. what's banana tails I bet Kriana <laughs> Kriana I don't know it sounds fun though. <laughs> let's let's uh yeah let's get rid of the idea of that right away uh, it's not fun it's a children's book oh, I did it when, fun. I, when she was that is four. quite possibly fun yes That's it great. is very fun but it yeah uh <laughs> what did you think we it, met mark <laughs> honestly it brings me back to a, a story where um when i actually this had gone full circle, but I originally sent it to Jim Valentino at Image uh, back when in 2003. I had done a soft cover version of the book myself. It's about a monkey who thinks he's turning into a banana because he eats <laughs> bananas. One day he wakes up and he's got a yellow tail and he thinks he's turning into a banana. So um, that's the basically the premise. My father actually came up with the idea in um, about 1997. He passed away in 02. And I said, I got to do this book in his memory. And I actually went and self-published the book. I actually almost had it at Golden Books at one point. Golden Books was uh, interested in in meeting with me on a Thursday. And they told me they were going to bring a writer in for me or they were going to um, actually buy to, uh, or, or, you know, I don't know, lease. I don't know what the word would be. Uh, two of the characters from the book, um, Tic Tac, the play at Zebra. I'm sorry? Guys? Yeah. Yeah, and um, and Banana Tail, and uh, there was a there was a classic um, there was a classic uh, golden book called uh, Saggy Baggy Elephant, and yeah, uh, remember it well, Lisa the yeah. Saggy Baggy Elephant. I remember that. Yes, I didn't know it at all, but I had seen a I had seen a little short on the Disney Channel in between the two half hour shows, and I found I felt that was the most boring thing I ever seen, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was like horrified that my characters are very lively and me just like slow because they wanted to bring them as supporting characters for the saggy baggy elephant. So things were going really well and then they went through bankruptcy. Uh, and um, they, uh, they, they fired my editor. Like I was supposed to meet him on Thursday. She was gone by, uh, she was gone by uh, Monday. And I was like, what the heck happened? And uh, the whole thing fell apart really fast. But what I wanted to do is I felt that if they had interest in it, I knew I'd have to move forward, you know, so I did the book myself. Now, the thing with Jim Valentino was I had sent him a copy of the soft cover, and he'd given it to his secretary to read at a, um, at a uh, kid's party. And at one scene of the book, he's trying to get his tail back to brown, so what he does is he peels all of his yellow hair out of his tail, and he's getting a sunburn. But his flesh-colored <laughs> tail between his legs looks a little funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no! Yeah. So it is kind of fun. Oh, this is oh, why. Kri- this is why Kriana is right about this. <laughs> <laughs> this woman stops reading a book. Three quarters of the way, book ago. Oh my goodness! This woman says it looks like a yo. <laughs> it looks yeah. like so and so. And she closed the book and oh, she didn't my. finish the story. They reported back to me this happened. I said, what the heck? I've read this book in front of thousands of kids. I never heard it. You got one perverted, you know, divorce, divorcee mom in the party. And <laughs> it sounds like a good party. What? How many times has this happened to all of us? Seriously. Yeah, sure. So, uh, anyhow, I read. I want to make sure I heard you right. Did you say you you were working with Jim Ballant or Jim Valentino? Valentino. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the other guy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if you went to Jim Ballant with a kid's idea, no, yeah. not my first choice. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, it was Valentino, and he came back and reported to me that they didn't want to do the book because of that not whole that thing. Not we don't love Jim Ballant. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, going full circle, um, Image had published my last um, Banana Tail book called Banana Tail's Colorful Adventure. So, what happened was, you know, eight years later, they did a uh, subsidiary of Image Comics called Silverline Books, and yeah. uh, they were looking for children's book prop- properties. I had already had like a million hits on my bananatail.com website, so they, they knew I had hit the ground running, and they thought it, that's what they were looking for, stuff that was already had a little bit of life behind it. And then, you know, they, <laughs> they, they got three books out, and they went, back, they went out of business in the kids' books because he didn't know how to sell kids' books. He said he couldn't uh-huh. compete with, uh, with Simon & Schuster and all that, but uh, so... So here I am again, three books out, and I'm still looking for a publisher. <laughs> yeah, you should publish it on series. iBooks. Um, it's on Comixology, I know that. A lot of people are, are reading to their kids on their iPads. I saw an article about this the other day where, where it's like, oh my gosh, the end of children's books, but not really because yeah. parents are just buying their kids iBooks. No, I know that, but I, I do get a sense of that because I know iPads now are actually the size of a, of a smaller kid's book. You open it up. Yeah, and absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. Huh. It's a little bit. But there's, there's Banana Tills and then there's Combat Jacks. Right. You're really working in some really odd mixology here. <laughs> well, you know, that's my adult thing. I, uh, I, I, I throw shit at a fan and hope it's sick, you know? <laughs> I, uh, you know, the, but now my daughter's 21 years old, by the way, and my son is 16. Uh, so when I did Banana Tail, they were four and newborn. Now they're like, they've been there, done that. Um, so now I can do adult stuff. The odd thing about it is I self-published that underneath the Banana Tail banner called Banana Tail Press. Uh, I was trying to do Gorilla Tail Press, but I'd rather be B in the beginning of uh, previews than G, you know, because... <laughs> Ooh, smart move. Yeah, well, I always think about things like that because it's a 440-page catalog that comes out every month. Mm-hmm. And if you're right. a tailor and you're looking through that, by the well, time you get to B or C, you're done, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think Dave Sims using Aardvark Vanaheim anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you want to step up a little. There you go. I'll take that up. Aardvark Press, Banana Tail. But Combat Jacks is, um, yeah, it's my, basically, I was sitting around at the, at the dinner table with my son, and we, I don't know how pumpkins came up. It certainly wasn't Halloween time. And we were discussing about wouldn't it be cool if you had these monster pumpkins. And we just started bouncing around ideas. Next thing I know, uh, I want to do this book. You know, I wanted to do it. And I, I was uh, not working for Marvel at DC at the time. 
it had been, you know, really almost two years. The only thing it did for DC in the last year was a, a grifter uh, fill-in issue, but nothing other than that. So, you know, other than going to sell hammers at Home Depot, I figured I had to go figure something else to do. The banana tail stuff is expensive to do my, you know, myself, and I get tired of having to try to find a new, you know, solicit a new publisher. So then I thought, let me do this. Um, I actually had an idea of doing a banana tail um, comic book because uh, I do a lot of school appearances in libraries. So I thought I was going to do a Halloween special called the Boo Nana Tail Halloween Special. Aww. Yeah, it was cute. It was, uh, the, the cover, which I have done, is um, uh, Banana Tail, Tic Tac, the, the Plaid Zebra, and Reno, who's a mood color changing rhino. They're dressed up like the Universal Monsters. It's uh, Brighter Frankenstein is the girl. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. i got to send you a, um, a picture. Please. I love Halloween. It's my favorite time of forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And uh, head here was very impressed with your with with the drawings from Combat Checks. Yes. Uh, I love I, them. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I uh the thing with that is I I I've only written my own stuff for Banana Tail. I've never written um, you know, comic book stuff. I wasn't sure I could do it. So I actually uh I started writing it. I wrote it in plot format and not script. I didn't script it by the page, you know, full script. So uh I was looking for a guy I could work with um that I could kind of get on the cheap. And I got this fellow named Jason Baruti who was doing independent stuff. You know, I'd seen him at shows. I really didn't know him real well. But um, I, went, wanted to, I wanted to give him some ideas and layouts to work with. And he just attacked it. He, was say, he said to me, actually, which I was really happy, he said, I would do it for free because for the chance to work with you. And I thought that was really wow. nice. But I couldn't do that to anybody. <laughs> so I gave him about five bucks. <laughs> Well, thus, thus is the way of the world. <laughs> hey, Mark, yes. Listen, uh, when you get done with Star Wars, uh, yes. I want you to come back and yes. I want you to let us know how that went. Absolutely, definitely, because it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, wait, wait. Let's what? A little longer here. Give just for those who aren't familiar with it. Give the basic premise behind Combat Jacks, please. Oh, okay. It's uh, terra. Uh, we're terraforming um, another planet. Planet gets knocked into our solar system by an asteroid. It's kind of on the same course as Earth, uh, not the same course, but the same um, rotation as Earth around the. Is the rotation? Yeah, around the sun, and uh, we we uh, send up. Um, uh, terraformers. You know, I hate to say it's aliens-ish, but I couldn't really think of another reason they would go there other than to get some kind of minerals out of it. But so they're terraforming the planet. They have breathable air. Uh, the terraformers d d disappear. So it's again, it sounds a whole lot like aliens. But uh, these uh, space marines get up to the planet, and it's a barren planet. But these um, pumpkin patches, other than sand, it's pumpkin patches, and these pumpkin patches basically come to life. And they were eating the guys, you know, and the Marines were, wow. yeah, taken by surprise. And uh, I was just, I just wanted to do something slam, bam, 24 pages, action, throwback, a little throwback from the old DC. You know, it's a little bit of horror, a little bit of sci-fi, a little Wally Wood, a little Frazetta. You know, I was trying to do that. Nice. You know, I like space scenes. I like, I like the creepy stuff. The monsters are awesome. I leave it hanging at the end where, you know, you don't know where it's going to go just because if it sells really well. You know, I'll do a, uh, I'll do Combat Jack's Requiem, Combat Jack's Retribution, 
Combat Jack's War. You know, I'll do a whole bunch of different things. The, the other thing I just want to say is I'm going to be up in Salem, Massachusetts when the book ships. Uh, the, yeah, the the witch capital of the world there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, when will this be? Uh, October 24th is the book ships, and the 26th, which is the Friday and Saturday, oh. uh, Harrison's Comics is setting me up out front. With the girl who's the cover model for the book. Mark, have you, Mark, have you ever been to Salem in October before? Uh, I heard really. Uh, I heard there's a million people through that town. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. just, just, um, okay. So there's camp, and then there's Salem in October. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's really, um. I know I, pagans who are like, I don't go to nobody Salem. Nobody goes October. to Salem in October <laughs> for very good reason. Good luck, my um, friend. Good luck. Yeah. No, 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 no. But you know what? If you ever wanted to have a place where there's a lot of people to sell your stuff to, well, there will be a lot that's, of that's people. That's excellent. And yeah. I, 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 we, Dead Redhead and I are very familiar with that Harrison's location. That's that's a great store. And, yeah, it is. And you are going to have a good time. I just hope I'll be between the, you know, I'll have a table between me and them, you know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Stay with us and let us know, you know, how things yeah. work out for you. And, yes, and please uh, stick around after this, Mark. Go for it, About that time, isn't it, Dome? Yes, it is. Well, next week from BBC America's The Nerdist, we have writer and stand-up comedian Matt Weinhold. Then on August 18th, we welcome back actor Doug Jones, who will tell us about filming the Ben Stiller-Vince Vaughn comedy, The Watch. And on August 25th, filmmaker Randall Lobb comes out of his shell for his new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle documentary, Turtle Power. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and comicarthouse.com. Visit Bob and Kim at comicarthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Like our show? Visit SciFiSaturdayNight.com to learn how you can sponsor your own episode. Provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at PubHutsOnline.com. I want to thank our guest tonight, Mark McKenna. Uh, check him out at the Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando if you're going to be there. Check him out in Salem. <laughs> God help us all, Ben. <laughs> Good luck to you, my friend. Oh, From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, thank you so much for tonight. Damn you, mountain lion. From the Vorkiller Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Mark, you are a hell of an artist. Pumpkins! All I want to say is... I'm really like... This is Dome saying Genie shared pain is lessened, shared joy and creeds. Good night, everybody. I know.